Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, the IFA and ICMSA welcome Dairy Gold's 0.5 cents per litre milk bonus payment. Some important forthcoming events with Miss Ruth Fennell, Dry Stock Advisor, Chagas Knock Griffin near Middleton. Part one of a two part interview with Ruth. Plus an overview of election trail promises. But next, Cork West Ploughing. Joining us, Mr. Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Richard, welcome to the programme. You have details now from the Kilmeen Ploughing Association match held on the land of Mr. John Buttermer, bearer Ross Moore, by kind permission. The Kilmeen Ploughing Association, 81st match. Uh, thank you, John. And uh, I suppose last Sunday was a very good Sunday again for ploughing. It was our fourth, fourth Sunday in a row and things, things went well. So the Kilmeen Ploughing Association held their... 81st annual playing match on, on, on the lens of um, uh, John Bottomer, Bayer Rossmore, and uh, it was a very good success. The, the night before had been quite wet, but uh, and the field was a bit wet in the morning as it dried off, and the, the, it was a great a great day and uh, a beautiful sight. The field was a quite um, a long, narrow field, half a mile long, and there were um, 46 competitors all in one row down the length of the field, which was fairly spectacular and, and a great day's playing there. Uh, the results are as follows in the senior tractor, first Jim Grace, second John Murphy, third Kieran Coakley, first Johnny O'Donovan, and fifth Jackie O'Driscoll. Uh, in the intermediate class, first was Stanley Dean, and second was Dennis McCarthy. On the 28th class, uh, first was George Kirby, and second Aidan O'Donovan, third Niall Driscoll, and fourth Jamie Hayes. The under 21 class, first James O'Sullivan. Second, Eno Farrell. Third, Noel Nahin. And fourth, James Jennings. The marker class, first, David Welch. Second, Andrew Donovan. And third, Jean Harrington. The ladies class, in first, was Ellen Nahin. And second was Rachel O'Driscoll. Uh, the three for uh, first, uh, Matt Coakley. Second, John Cuhan. And third, James Downey. The senior reversible class, in first place, was Liam O'Driscoll. Second, George Coakley, um, and third, Michael Witcherley. The under-28 reversible, first, Florence Witcherley, second, Conor O'Farrell, and third, Daniel, o- Daniel Tobin. The 3-4 reversible, first was Tim Lawler, and second, Jerry Creedon. The open hydraulic vintage, uh, first, Mike Comey, second, Philip Cotter, third, Marashihi, fourth, Dennis Cummins, uh, fifth, John O'Neill, Michael Welch, 7th, 
Leslie Wolf and the kind fine hydraulic vintage. Um, uh, first, uh, George Collins. The trailer vintage, uh, first, John Wolf, and second, Michael Bennett. The single furrow, first, Gordon Jennings. The senior horse, first, John O'Donovan. And the lie digging, uh, first, was Adrian Grace. Now, I suppose the feature of, of the match was the return of, of John O'Donovan. John has been the senior ploughman in the horses for quite a number of years. Uh, he missed from the, out on the All-Ireland last year and he had a very serious operation but made a, a very good recovery and it was great to see him back again in harness and, and behind the horses plowing again at Kilmean. Um, now on, on the tomorrow Sunday, uh, Camor Plowing Association are holding their 66th annual plowing match uh, at Borgesh Ross Carberry on the lens of Geoffrey Witchley by his kind permission. And uh, it's on stubble ground. The draw for the banks will be at uh, 10.30 and the competition starts at 11.30 sharp. And the entries are to be in on today, Saturday, uh, to 086-3397-009. That's uh, 086-3397-009. Now, the committee have requested that all trailers with large, with, uh, tractors with large trailers and all lorries would unload at Lissabart Co-op. All single-wheel trailers can travel directly to the field, and it will be signpost turning right off the N71 at Bournock Cross, uh, one mile east of Ross Carberry. So, but I suppose uh, the forecast is, is not hectic for tonight and early tomorrow morning, so it's very much weather permitting. So the the number there to send in to send is 086-3397-009. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mr. Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Richard. Farm Talk on C103 with John O'Connor. IFA National Dairy Committee Chairman Mr. Tom Phelan said the move by Dairy Gold to pay 0.5 cents a litre on all milk supplied during 2019 is a welcome boost to their supplier's cash flow as calving begins. Mr. Phelan said it shows the IFA had been correct in identifying scope for milk price increases when Dairy Gold and most other co-ops were paying significantly less than the Ornua PPI for much of 2019. Mr Phelan calculated that for a 500,000 litre supplier to Dairy Gold, this end-of-year bonus on all 2019 supplies would be worth €2,500, a significant boost to cash flow, but also evidence that a better price could have been paid during the year. Mr Phelan went on to say the IFA had shown co-ops had been conservative on milk prices, especially in the second half of 2019. Milk price uplifts in October, November and December by most co-ops meant the gap with the December or newer PPI had narrowed, though it remained negative at just under 0.5 cents a litre. In light of continued firming of EU and global commodity returns into January, farmers would legitimately expect further price increases before long. And that statement, 29th of January, from the IFA National Dairy Committee Chairman, Mr Tom Phelan. The ICMSA has also welcomed the Dairy Gold announcement of their bonus of 0.5 cents a litre. IFA National Grain Committee Chairman Mr Mark Brown has welcomed the decision by the Department and the EU Commission to grant a derogation on the three-crop rule. The IFA say they had previously called on the Minister for Agriculture to recognise the difficulties which farmers were facing in complying with greening regulations due to weather issues. 
Howard Farms, in conjunction with Gold Crop, Chagas Ganyara, will hold a cereals crop workshop and farm walk at Kilcanway Kilvullen Mallow, the code P51A432, on Wednesday, February 5th, 11am. Topics for discussion, plant counts and crop management, John Don Gold Crop, Weed Control Strategies, Michael McCarthy, Chagask, Fertilisers and Crop Nutrition, Philip Cosgrove, Yara, Fungicide Options, Ger Handley, Howard Farms, and Cover Crops, Billy Kelleher, Howard Farms. All welcome and refreshments will be served. That's taking place at Kilcanway, Kilvallen Mallow, code P51A432. A live online debate concerning farming issues has been organised by the Irish Farmers Journal from Monday 3rd of February from 7pm. Listeners are invited to join the debate. Mr Pat O'Toole, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, has more on this. We have the ag spokespersons for the major parties. Um, so we'll have Michael Creed, the current Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue, the agriculture spokesman for Fianna Fáil, McCarthy, MEP, who is standing as a candidate for Sinn Féin in the general election and is on the Agriculture Committee in the European Parliament at present. And uh, Willie Penrose, the outgoing Labour TD, who is their current spokesman for agriculture. Willie's not seeking office, but is is sitting in on on the debate. Um, And it will be live from 7 o'clock on our website. Um, And people feel free to tune in. Um, An extensive run through the issues. And uh, uh, people are welcome to send their questions to us as well. Uh, we want to know what, the, what people want to know of, of their politicians. It's an important decision uh, because farming is so regulated and governed by uh, both government in Dublin and by Brussels, um, on whose behalf our government um, uh, will be representing us, along with our MEPs in the Parliament. So it, it's hugely important. Uh, come into the Farmers Journal website and uh, free access uh, from the Farmers Journal website for all. Uh, so uh, should also be on, on Facebook, but the simplest way is through, through our website. Uh, we've had a few of these. Uh, we had one for the three IFA presidential candidates um, back in November, and I think it, um, it, was, it, w- it was a big event. Um, this, those men have been through 17 hustings and an awful lot of people who were interested in voting had been out and about and had seen the candidates. The big difference with the general election, we do have national debates between the leaders, but we haven't had a specific debate between the, uh, between the ag candidates on national media. So we feel that that's a gap that needs to be filled. And the Irish Farmers Journal, your paper, your edition, 1st of February 2020, you carry a detailed outline of promises being made by the election candidates. Perhaps you could give us a wrap-up of some of the main pledges, certainly intentions, which politicians say they have for the farming community. There's a degree of um, consensus between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael around some of the big issues. For instance, both are in favour of a sucker cow payment, a substantial one, and... Fianna Fáil are talking about €200. Euros. Um, Fianna Gael, it's more of a, I suppose, because they have overseen the current schemes. But uh, uh, Michael Creed would say that if you put all them together, that you're getting towards that between Beam, Beep and the uh, genomic scheme. Uh, both party leaders actually on Tuesday, because we had Michal Martin, Leo Varadkar and Eamon Ryan all um, giving extensive uh, parts of their day to the IFA AGM. All three of them spent about an hour and a half engaged with the uh, national and county officers of IFA at their AGM going through the issues. 
and both Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar committed to a 15 euro per head uh, yo payment. A lot of consensus around issues like the need for a, a good environmental scheme for ANC payments. Fianna Fáil have committed to having ANC payments of 300 million per annum, which would be an increase on the current levels. In terms of the, the big ticket issues, a lot of agreement. There are some uh, areas where there are differences, and I suppose that's the ones that farmers will be really interested in. Convergence is the biggest of those, I think. And uh, Pat, to clarify exactly what uh, convergence means, a rather technical word. Sinn Féin are proposing a, 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 a max payment of 60000 and Fianna Fáil. Um, in terms of convergence, what that means is the higher entitlement, so each hectare entitlement has a certain value. Some farmers are higher, some are lower. It's historical, it's based on the activity on the farm between 2000 and 2002. There is an argument over the validity of that, but that's the system we're in. Now, what they're talking about is taking money off the higher payments, putting them on the lower payments. That's called convergence. It's been ongoing for the last five years. We're now in a period of transition. There will be no new cap this year. It's unlikely, as things stand, that we will have a new cap in place for 2021. So we have a two-year of transition. And um, Fine Gael are saying there should be no further convergence during the transition. Charlie McConnell says there should be continuing convergence and he will proceed with it this year and next year if we're still in transition. So that's one area of difference between the candidates. Sinn Féin in the Parliament, Matt Carthy, was committed to full convergence, in other words, flat payments. Um, and uh, that would be very divisive. Farmers on higher payments, especially farmers in the east of the country, I suppose, and uh, you know, the, the more intensively stocked cattle farmers in particular would have the, had the highest payments. They stand to lose the most from this. And the most extensively stocked farmers are the ones who will, uh, who will gain the most. In Fermoy Mart, uh, the Taoiseach, Mr Radcar, he pledged, uh, Fine Gael, he was backed up by the Tornish, uh, he pledged to make up any shortfall, whenever the new cap budget is announced, any shortfall would be made up by Fine Gael government if there were a return to power. I understand that was a firm commitment made uh, on the record to the Irish Farmers Journal. Yeah, that's right. And um, what that will actually mean, we're not sure. Uh, there is going to be a cut this year of 4% to Pillar 1, 15% give or take to Pillar 2, because the budget is smaller, unless there's an increase in the budget. There's negotiations parallel on the structure of the cap and on the budget. Um, and how legal it is for the Overagker or any Irish Taoiseach to uh, fill in the gap um, you can do it for Pillar 2 through co-funding, but you can't do it for Pillar 1. That's Brussels money, and uh, it will be regarded as national aid and thus illegal. So that's it's very complicated, but it, at least there is a, it's an encouraging sign that there is a pledge to, to fill the gap. Um, what, there was consensus, again, between the parties that they will fight hard um, to get a bigger budget uh, for the cap. As things stand, the proposal is that the, while the EU's overall budget will increase, uh, slightly, uh, the budget for the cap will be a, a smaller amount. It's gone down from uh, 37 to 29% of the overall EU budget. And as a result, farmers are looking at further cuts. So um, that, that that's going to be contentious. Um, the I suppose the other side is the Greens. Tim Cullen and the IFA president talked about red lines uh, when he was giving his speech on Tuesday in his inaugural speech, having taken over from Joe Healy. At, uh, sorry, on Monday, and then on Tuesday uh, he he repeated those red lines to uh, to the uh, the politicians who came in to see the IFA, and those red lines included no cut to the suckler herd, 
an ending to what he called the climate scapegoating of farmers. He talked about um, live exports cannot be threatened and uh, the nitrates derogation must be continued. Now, the nitrates derogation and live exports, they're two issues where the Greens have said that they would like to see change. They, they're not in favour of the nitrates derogation. Their ag spokesperson, Pippa Hackett, said that she believes it's, it's not helping uh, the... Uh, uh, the profile of uh, our soil quality, our air quality, our water quality. Um, about 7,000 farmers, mainly dairy farmers, avail of the nitrates derogation each year. So it's very significant to the sector. Um, and then, of course, live exports are fundamental to underpinning beef prices because, uh, as things stand, processors are saying that they have too much they have uh, they have too much cattle to kill and prices are on the floor at certain times of the year. So uh, if you were to get rid of live exports and especially for calves, all those calves were to be left in the country, you could have a collapse in store prices and of course in factory prices down the line when those animals come fit. So these are huge issues, um, especially Brexit obviously is on the horizon uh, today uh, as we're talking. By the time your listeners hear this, um, the UK will have formally left the European Union and um, they, they, that will have its consequences once we've ended the transition phase. In the medium term, we're looking at uh, consequences for overland uh, transport of animals and also for land, animals going uh, up and down to Northern Ireland and across to the UK. It's an uncertain picture um, and live exports to continental Europe, especially for young animals, are fundamental. Peppa Hackett of the Greens, she is a farmer and would therefore have a lot of credibility when she talks about agriculture because her livelihood is involved with agriculture. Yeah, and in fairness to Eamon Ryan, he cycled out to the farm centre on Tuesday, engaged very significantly with uh, the IFA um, and and was up to speed on, on some of the issues. Um, uh, and it is... Uh, a complicated series of issues, but he, he was up to speed on them and uh, spoke highly of Chagask, um, who of course are at the heart of uh, the research and development that has to be done uh, and, and the delivery of that research through good advice to farmers in reducing our carbon footprint. And there's no doubt that like every time we talk, John, every time people talk about the future of farming, uh, the climate footprint and the biodiversity impact of our farming is now fundamental and will be a huge part of the next government's uh, relationship with farming. And turning to the Labour Party, we don't particularly hear an awful lot about uh, Labour Party policies, but I understand in the journal you do point out that the Labour Party have outlined uh, their policy regarding early retirement and hedge cutting. There'll be a hedge cutting grant. They say they're committed to reintroduce the early retirement scheme and implementing, quote, a standardised and simplified end of quote hedge cutting grant for farmers. Now that's dealt with in depth. Just just for balance, your journalist Barry Casty, news correspondent in the Journal, first of February, he does go in detail into the Labour Party agenda. Just for balance, absolutely. Uh, well, I, I think every party. I mean, the reality is that uh, Fianna Fáil at the moment are poised to be the largest party in the next doll, um, and it looks like. Um, they won't have the numbers to go in on their own. So they're going to have to uh, form a coalition with someone. And Labour and the Greens are obvious coalition partners. Michal Martin has ruled out 
coalition with Sinn Féin. He has ruled out a grand coalition with Fine Gael. So you start to run out of potential partners quite quickly at that point. And um, uh, that, you know, that means that Labour's attitude and the Greens' attitude to farming becomes very important. Um, there are a lot of rural independents who farmers uh, would feel are very supportive of them. People like the Healy Rays, Michael Collins in West Cork, Michael Fitzmaurice, um, Matthew McGrath. You also have potential new uh, TDs like Marion Harkin and Verona Murphy, rural TDs. So, you know, they would work well with Fianna Fáil on agricultural issues, you would think. But could they sit comfortably in government with the Greens? Um, I'm not sure. So it's it's all to play for. There's a week to go. Fianna Fáil are definitely uh, in the driving seat. They're having the best election so far. And uh, the farming community are always uh, important to the election process because they do vote. Social Democrats proposing rewilding of farmland to forestry. In the journal, Amy Ford, your deputy news editor, she outlines in great detail the Social Democrats, their policy vis-a-vis farming and farmland. Rewilding is something that uh, has emerged as a significant issue. Um, Eamon Ryan controversially uh, proposed putting wolves back in in rural Ireland. But I think the rewilding the Social Democrats are looking at is allowing uh, uh, land of very low productive value back to nature um, and uh, that it would form biodiversity hub. Now, per se, farmers aren't opposed to that, but the definition of what's non-productive land or, or poor productive value and how it's returned to nature. Um, the devil is always in the detail of these things. Will it be prescriptive? Will it be voluntary? Will it be supported? Will it be uh, mandatory to gain uh, access to, say, the 30% greening payment, which is going to be a significant part of the of the basic payment in the future cap? Who knows? But um, the Social Democrats uh, have, have nailed their colours to the mast on that one. They're not the only people talking about uh, uh, improving biodiversity, nature corridors, uh, you know, uh, the likes of um, uh, old old grasses, old pastures, uh, protection of those. Um, uh, they require far less, they're less output, but they require less inputs. Uh, mixed species grasses, uh, uh, you, have, you know, herbs, um, increased use of clover, all of these things are being discussed. Uh, cover crops in tillage um, and uh, and non-inversion tillage, uh, zero till or min till. Uh, are, they're just some of the things that farmers are doing to uh, Im- improve the uh, biodiversity profile of their farms. And you also have, I suppose, um, the SPAs and the SACs as well, the uh, protection areas and areas of conservation, which many farms uh, are under the, the operation of and the restrictions of. So, Farmers already have huge engagement with um, maintaining wildlife in rural Ireland. Uh, There was also a proposal uh, by the Greens to end the culling of badgers, uh, the culling of badgers in relation to TB, and to have a comprehensive vaccination programme. And I don't think uh, that would be something farmers would have a problem with. The sooner the vaccination programme has started, the happier they'd be. That's rewilding. We have examples, of course, of the white-tailed sea eagle brought back in Kerry and places like that, and uh, you know the fostering of reintroduction of the golden eagle. The red-tailed kite is now almost uh, very common again, and uh, the red squirrel, of course, uh, surviving attacks from the American grey squirrel due to pine marten depredations on the grey squirrel population. But of course, some farmers feel 
field, the pine martens are seizing lambs. So examples of a sort of rewilding going on, even though people feel it's quite controversial, you know, people worrying about lambs. Yeah, look, um, I, I, there, there's all of that. I think uh, I think the rewilding um, on, on a farm level, um, in, in terms of where the battleground will be, I think it's far more to do with, with smaller animals. I think it's to do with uh, creating... Because the, the bigger animals uh, the, are predators of the smaller animals, and the insect population um, and is, is fundamental. Um, the bird population requires an insect population to feed on, um, and also, I mean, in terms of insecticides and the use of insecticides, the idea of uh, encouraging predators, the ladybirds, to take care of the aphids and so forth, that's that's something which, you know, farmers are moving back towards. Um, it, it's more cost-effective if we can work with nature rather than have to use expensive insecticides. Um, uh, we're, in, in some ways, we're trying to roll back from 50 years of dependency on uh, chemical inputs, whether that's pesticides or chemical fertilizer, um, that became the default position. Uh, and uh, there is a huge conversation around how we evolve away from that, not completely, but where we only use it where necessary. Into, despite uh, not being particularly associated with farmers, we have a brochure there from Pader Tobin TD and Becky Keeley pointing out how Pader Tobin, he's well aware of the problems of beef farmers. He would like to see a ban on below-cost uh, selling. He fully appreciates the worries and threats posed by the Mercosur deal, etc. So certainly N2 standing there, they say, for the farmers. And in their brochure here in North Cork, they say, standing up for Irish farmers. So N2 therein, even though they have only tiny representation in the Doyle, and further mention there of another party, a tiny party, our last mention, the Irish Freedom Party in Cork Northwest, uh, Tara Nidonal. We're watching what happens between Fine Gael, Fine Foil, and who they might join up with, Sinn Féin or whatever. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, realistically, I mean, if you look at the Healy Rays and Michael Collins, who are closely, quite closely aligned, like they would, there's three seats, like that's more than, than, than some of the smaller parties will get. So you've got the significance of, of those independents and what they're saying. Padre Tobin and into like Padre Tobin was very active during the uh, beef protest last summer. He was at the gates. He did uh, propose uh, legislation banning below-cost selling. So he has been active on that. Um, so uh, absolutely, I mean, um, uh, he has, I suppose, credentials there. But in terms of the two major parties and the the big issues, one of the big issues, I think, is fair deal. The legislation didn't get over the line. Michal Martin made reference to it specifically. He said that one of the things which motivated Fianna Fáil to being willing to continue until uh, later in the year, until April or May, was to get the legislation passed um, in relation to uh, in, in relation to the fair deal scheme. And he said that for farmers and for the self-employed, the adjustments to the fair deal scheme, which will be brought in by the uh, by the legislation, he's committed that he get it done as soon as possible and he's pledging $225 million to fund the changes. As things stand, uh, under the fair deal scheme, uh, just to quickly run through it, under the fair deal scheme, it's 7.5% of your uh, assets where you, uh, the means test says that your assets can be uh, brought in to pay for the fair deal scheme at seven and a half percent for three years for everyone except farmers and sole trader business people those people uh, they keep taking their assets 
uh, ad infinitum. There's no limit. They, if someone was in, under the Fair Deal scheme for 10 years, that 7.5% would be for the 10 years and your assets would be completely denuded. So it's very important that legislation gets passed. Um, Leo Varadkar also made reference to it and he explained that the reason that it wasn't over the line was because there's an issue around retrospection, making it retrospective and applying it from the day that it was announced, which was Budget 18, I think. And then that uh, Jim Daly of West Cork, of course, was the line minister, the junior minister for uh, health. And he uh, he's not seeking election, but he, he did push very hard to get it over the line. It hasn't got over the line. At least both parties are supportive, and the likelihood is it will be brought into legislation later this year. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Pat O'Toole, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. Full details regarding promises being made by the different uh, parties contained in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. That's to say the Irish Farmers Journal, 1st of February 2020. Thank you, Pat, very much. You're very welcome. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Miss Ruth Fennell, Dry Stock Advisor with the Chagas Knock Griffin Office, Middleton in County Cork. First of all, Ruth, welcome to the programme. Now, details of some upcoming events before we look at aspects of early spring grazing. Those two events. Uh, yes, thank you, John. So, um, this coming Wednesday, in West Cork, there's a beef seminar that's entitled Challenging Your Beef Production Skills for 2020. That's being held in the Munster Arms Hotel at 8 o'clock. That's this coming Wednesday, the 5th of February. And the following week then, just um, six days later, on Tuesday, the 11th of February, 
the East Cork advisors on the dry stock side of it are running their um, spring seminar. So that's on at 7.30pm in the Silver Springs Hotel. Um, and we have speakers, um, Andrew Cromie from ICBF. We have Beth Dennis Howard from Munster Bovine. We have our own beef specialist, Alan Dillon, and Michael Burkton is coming from our own advisory team as well. Turning to another topic on the agenda, we wanted to look at the Beef Data Genomics uh, Programme, the BDGP. Could you please update our listeners regarding what's required in 2020? The BDGP was the replacement that came in for the Suckler Cow Welfare Scheme. And it was aimed at those that were keeping um, suckler cows, either breeding for the replacement side of the market or, or breeding for the beef side of the trade. And it was coming with an environmental impact with it as well too. So trying to improve the environmental efficiencies of these animals. So looking at animals that go in calf very easily, that it would have strong maternal traits so that they would have good milk traits, good fertility. They would have good health status so that they stay a long time within the herd where required. And that they also breed animals that are good then also from the beef side of things and also good to breed um, replacement heifers going forward back into the herd. So the, a n- large number of farmers went into that scheme. Um, it's now coming to its final year into 2020. Um, a lot of the farmers will have done an awful lot of the work already, but there are a few little hurdles left to jump yet at this stage. So the ones I suppose that are coming up um, at the moment are that a lot of farmers will have received a letter in the post in relation to the animals that have been selected for genomic testing. And what they're aiming to do in that is to identify genes for um, specific traits and trying to breed animals with those favourable traits going forward. So it was a requirement of the scheme that you have um, 60% of your reference number selected for genotyping each year. So what we are stressing with people is it's very important that you look at that list of the animals that have been identified and keeping in mind that on the th- at the end of October this year, on the 31st of October, it's a requirement of the scheme that you have at least 50% of your reference number in relation to over 16-month female animals that are either four or five star rated on the maternal index. And this has been proving quite challenging in some herds. A lot of farmers have made huge strides and huge improvements in re- relation to the maternal rating of their herds, but there are stim- still a number that are struggling to get to that date. So you need to remember that those animals have to be four or five star maternally rated and they have to also be over 16 months of age. So what we are stressing is that it's important that, that the majority of the female animals that are going to be over 16 months are, are either already genomically tested or are going to be selected for genomic testing this year. That's fine. Now, could we just change the subject slightly, turning to early spring grazing? What is the Chagask advice on early spring grazing at the moment? Uh, Farmers hear a lot about climate change and the use of protected urea, uh, greenhouse gases, cutting back emissions, and general Chagask advice to farmers regarding getting the very best out of their early spring grazing pastures. Well, I suppose a lot of the, the groundwork for getting those um, stock out early in the in the grazing season is based on the steps that were taken at the back end of the year in relation to setting up your autumn plan and keeping in mind that you wanted to have spring grass. Um, I suppose the huge benefits that we get from getting stock out early is by we reduce the housing period, which is obviously the most expensive from um, a feeding point of view. As a result of that, we reduce our feed costs. Um, Grass is five times cheaper than than ration and it's three times cheaper than silage. And they're the two main ingredients for our winter diets. Um, As as a also benefit we get from that is we get much higher animal performance generally when animals are at grass. Um, And we also get a reduction in our greenhouse gas um, and our ammonia emissions. 
Um, so there's a huge benefit in relation to that. Um, it also makes it easier, I suppose, from a management point of view as well too. But I suppose the, the work has to have been done also in the autumn to have allowed there be a cover of grass built up for the stock. And we say this gives, as I said, improved animal performance or reduced feed costs. But the other benefit that it also has is that it increases our grass growth and our utilisation by taking off that material that's been growing over the winter and giving the grass and opening it back up again and giving it a chance to breed and, and, to, and to regrow again for the coming, for the coming um, grazing season. Um, and also helps to therefore improve the quality of the grass that's coming up. And Chagas have put figures on that and said that each additional day at, at grass, so by reducing your housing by an additional day um, and getting stock out to grass, that's worth two euro for every livestock unit on the farm that you can that you can get them out that bit earlier. So um, a cost a cost saving not only in the in the redu- reduced feed cost but also then a benefit because you're getting increased animal performance when they're going out to that that good spring grass. Do you think that farmers fully understand the benefits of resisting the temptation to overgraze in the back end of the year and to leave enough grass there to produce this tremendously more valuable grass in early spring? Um, I've held two beef discussion group meetings already this week um, and that was one of the conversations was in relation to farmers having walked paddocks to see what grass is available um, when they're thinking about maybe going out with stock or going out with, with fertiliser this time of the year. And generally, there seems to be good covers of grass that are there. And that, yes, there has been um, a reasonably mild winter with um, continuous grass growth throughout that period. But in the majority of cases, that grass that's there is because they were stopped um, on the basis of having done an autumn grassland plan and and focusing on trying to get um, spring grass. And I suppose, to be honest, margins are desperately tight on farms at the moment. And farmers are looking at every which way that they can to try and reduce costs. Um, and they're, they're certainly seeing the importance of grass and that role that it has to play in helping to do that. Chagas have some do's and don'ts for their clients. Some do's and don'ts to encourage good, healthy, lush, early spring grazing. Um, I suppose at this time of the year we get a lot of questions in relation to spreading fertiliser and spreading slurry and where are the best places to put it. I suppose on the dry stock side of the house, Maybe the stocking rates are not quite as high as what we would get in, in some of the dairy areas. Um, and some of the farmers may not have um, the, the farm in one block, so it could be fragmented. And sometimes that can delay the, the putting out of stock onto, onto grazing um, ground. I suppose the few pointers that we would always give to people is if you're going out with fertiliser, you need to be sure that the soil temperatures are above 5 degrees centigrade. The reason for that is that we want the grass to be actively growing so that it's able to take up the nitrogen that's spread. We'd recommend that you spread, obviously, on the drier farms and also on the drier paddocks. You tend to get a better response to nitrogen at that stage. Um, The fields that will respond best to getting early nitrogen are those that have the benefits of being from a ryegrass sward. And in addition to that, that would have both good P and K status levels and also that would have a good pH in the soil. So they're the ones that are going to get the best response from the nitrogen because we do know that the response to early nitrogen can be variable at times. I suppose the one thing to keep in mind is if we have had a, a yellow rainfall um, warning, that we don't recommend as any slurry or fertiliser spread within 48 hours um, either side of that. Um, and that we keep in mind generally that the, the slurry that's going out in the paddocks the benefits um, have been well documented in relation to using the low emission techniques and we would recommend that people keep that in mind when they're going out with slurry in this spring. It's generally the, cover, the covers of grass that have the lighter covers that the slurry will be going out on. And to keep in mind, if you use some of the methods like the trailing shoe, 
and you go out with two and a half thousand gallons of slurry to the acre, that that will give a benefit of about 20 units of nitrogen and also the bit of P and K with it as well too. So to keep that in mind when you're going out, that it is a, a big benefit in relation to the fertiliser. And also to keep in mind that we don't obviously spread our slurry on the fields and the first rotation that have just got the, the fertiliser as well. So it's, it's either fertiliser or slurry rather than the two. Thank you, Ruth. Miss Ruth Fennell, Dry Stock Advisor with the Chagask in Knockriff in Middleton, County Cork. Remainder of that conversation with Ruth in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot and Controls. And as always, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Next Agri Update due on this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11 Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs.